Amen. T.D. Jakes said that uh, people don't come to follow you, they come to follow Jesus, and they get stuck with you. So I'm sorry if you came here today to hear Pastor Chris, because you're stuck with me. Uh, Pastor Chris had a rough week. <laughs> he, was, he was so sick um, that he wasn't able to work on his message. We're thankful that he is, uh, he's back to his good, normal self, and uh, he will be back here in the pulpit in two weeks to continue his series in the book of Luke. Next week is uh, Youth Takeover, and you won't want to miss that. That is a special weekend. I'm looking forward to it. So Pastor uh, Jeff oversees that, and, and the youth, they do everything, and they, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So, and that's, uh, that's next week, so don't, don't, don't miss that. Well, it's a privilege, it's a privilege for me uh, to have this opportunity to share the word with you this morning. I want you to know um, this is not a new message, so there you go. I don't, I don't know if I've ever done that, uh, done this here at FBC, but this one I, I did have in the file, and I preached it here, parts of it anyhow, 13 years ago. Also, um, <clears throat> the outline for this message and, and parts of it um, are taken from a book. And the book is called The Land Between, Finding God in Difficult Transitions. The author is uh, Jeff Mannion. Jeff is lead pastor of Ada Bible Church just outside of uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Uh, Jeff and I I went to school together. We actually graduated from the same Bible college way back in the 80s. Man, am I old. That is just scary, huh? Anyhow, so if there's a point in this message that just really resonates with you, then that's Pastor Jeff. And you can thank him. And by all means, thank God, okay? So it's about 1500 B.C. God has miraculously freed his people from years of bondage, slavery, persecution. The exodus from Egypt is now behind the Israelites, and they are focused. They're focused on getting to the destination they have so longed for, the promised land. Beautiful, lush, it's fertile. It's paradise, flowing with milk and honey. They probably thought it would be, you know, a relatively short journey. I mean, it's not that far, right? Hmm. However, days uh, turn into weeks, and weeks into months, and now years. And they realize that they are still, they're still in a hot, dry Desert wasteland. See, they find themselves stuck in the land between. So this morning, it's very possible that maybe somebody here is in a desert place. Maybe you've heard words like, sorry, uh, but your position has been eliminated. Or maybe the words, I don't love you anymore. The tumor is malignant. 
as we just heard what Jeff said in the announcement today, there's, there's been an accident. Your father and I were getting a divorce. Dad, um, I'm at the police station. See, in a sentence that lasts five seconds, you are thrust from normality into this brand new world that you never saw coming. Like a train that just switched tracks. Suddenly, you're in a place you never planned to be, that you never prepared yourself for. You are not where you once were, and you're not where you're going to be. So you're in that confusing zone, the land between. I want to clarify something that just because you're you know, in this desert time does not uh, mean that it necessarily involved a, a tragedy or, or severe suffering. It could be that it's maybe you need to, to move. Um, maybe you, uh, you're selling your home. You're, you're dealing with a, a dead-end job. Maybe you need help with a, a strange uh, marriage or other relationship that, that isn't, you know, isn't quite what it should be. You're facing uh, a difficult transition. That, too, is a, is a desert time. That, too, is being in this, this land between. The land between is, it can be really disorienting, frustrating, painful. However, it can also provide a place to, for God to do a profound work in your life. That's really important. It's very possible that the best version of you will emerge out of the chaos, the disappointment, and the pain you're going through. It could actually be the fertile ground that will radically reshape you, transform you, or it could set you on a course for spiritual decline where you will wander aimlessly and eventually you'll die in a desert wasteland. That's reality. And that's a choice, isn't it? That's a choice that you make. It's a choice that, that I need to make. Because the land between is reality. We've all been there. We will be there. Again, the question is, what are we going to do when we're there? So I invite you now to turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 11. Numbers chapter 11. And we're going to read a, a, a familiar story. It's going to be uh, up on the screen. And we'll begin with the uh, verses 4 through 13. It says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Whew, I'm getting hungry. 
But now we have, we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. Manna was like coriander seed. It looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into cakes. It tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. He asked the Lord, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms and nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their forefathers? Where can I get meat for all these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. Whew, it's a bad day for Moses. The land between is fertile ground for complaining. There's a lot of wailing going on. Wow, wow, wow. Can you hear it? But Moses, he's like, what do I do? And he's pouring out his heart to God. I mean, his words sound more like a childish rant than the prayer of a prince, right? The leader of the nation of Israel. But he's had it. He can't take it anymore. What am I supposed to do? Moses is complaining, but he's complaining to God about a really bad situation or circumstance. And like David in the Psalms, it's okay. It's okay to express your feelings, your fears, your frustrations, your disappointments, and your doubts. God can handle it. He can handle it. Your genuine questions, your cries for help, he's all ears. He's listening to you. There's no denying the fact that you're in a desert time. It's real. So cry out to him. Actually, maybe you should play the song by third day. Cry out to Jesus. God hears you. It doesn't offend him. You can't complain to God. However, listen to this. <laughs> complaining about God is very different from complaining to God. There's a distinction there, an important one. Verse 11. He asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? And again, I don't know how he said it. I don't know Moses' heart. But be very careful. Because when you start complaining about God, he becomes the target. We blame him for the trial. We are consumed by resentful and embittered Spirit toward our Heavenly Father. We sound like Adam in the garden, right? This woman you gave me. Now she's the one 
that gave me fruit from the tree. Yeah, it's really not. It's her fault, but ultimately, Lord, you mean you? You gave her to me, right? You messed up. Hmm. In verse 4, it talks about this rabble. Rabble which with them began to crave other food. Uh, well, the rabble are, are non-Israelites. They're, they're a mixed group of people that they got to get in on the, on the caravan. They escaped uh, Egypt with the Israelites. Um, very cool for them. But they didn't know God. Interesting. They don't know God. They're not followers of Jehovah. They're just there. And they begin to stir the pot. Notice that they're the ones that began to crave other food. And so they had influence on those around them. So the question is, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Be careful. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Like Eve, you might be listening to a serpent. Easy to do, isn't it? <laughs> we are easily influenced. So watch out with your circle of friends, those people around you. And again, is the complaining to God? Are you crying out to God? Or are you, in your heart, complaining about God? Verse 5 says, We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Remember the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. You know, basically it's like, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather have a fish platter, you know, fish from the Nile, surrounded by all those wonderful veggies with Pharaoh, than eat manna in the desert with you, God. That's what I'd rather have. That's what I'm really saying. <laughs> Maybe not verbalizing, but that's it. That's my heart. I, I don't want to go back there. That was, that was better. This is just too painful. I don't want to be here. Most of you wouldn't remember, unless you're old like me, Keith Green, and I want to go back to Egypt. <clears> How's <throat> just a classic song, right? So you want to go back to Egypt where it's warm and secure. Are you sorry you brought the one-way ticket when you thought you were sure? You wanted to live in a land of promise, but now it's getting hard. Are you sorry you're out there in the desert instead of your own backyard? Hmm. What do you think? You want to go back? You really want to go back? There are days <laughs> you might be tempted to think, oh yeah, it was better back then. Where would you be today if it wasn't for Jesus? That's a scary thought. It's for me. And no matter how hard it is, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to Egypt. I don't want to go back to the life that I once had. Oh Lord. Verse 14. 
could find verse 14. There it is. Moses continues, I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. You know, if this is how you're going to treat me, just go ahead and kill me right now. Just go ahead and kill me right now if, you found fa- if I found favor in your eyes. Do not let me face my own ruin. I mean, I, I, I can't carry it anymore. I can't do it. Basically, Moses is having an emotional breakdown right here. He, he's totally lost it. Or t- just kill me. Just take me home right now. I, I just can't stand it anymore. He says, I can't do it alone. And then there's that voice. Just stop for a minute, Moses. There's a voice that says, you don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to do it alone. The land between is fertile ground for complaining. The land between is also fertile ground for God's provision. And then look, just listen to how God provides. Verse 16 says, the Lord said to Moses, okay, can you just like calm down, Moses? Okay, can you just hear that? That's just, I think that's what he said there. It's not written in the Bible, but just, just chill out, okay? I know it's bad, but um, just bring me. Just bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. He says, have them come to the tent of the meeting. They may stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there. I will take of the spirit that is on you, and I'll put it on them. They will help you carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. Very simple solution, Moses. Now, just, just ask me. I have this. I have this under control. See, God is in control. God is present right where Moses was, but he's present right where you are. And he's telling Moses, the I am is with you. You know, just like in the Exodus, I was with you there, right? I will come down. I will lead you. I will provide a way for Moses, for David, for us. Never forget, he is our deliverer. He's our shield. He's our strong tower. He's our rock. He's our good shepherd. He's our Jehovah Jireh, our provider. That's our God. That's our God. He is more than able to fix your situation, to guide you through that desert place. God told Moses that he would provide leaders to help them, help him shoulder the burden. Leaders filled with the Holy Spirit. As brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, we, we are part of an amazing church. The universal church, we're also part of this local church, right? We're members of the body of Christ. You have leaders, and you do have brothers and sisters filled with the Holy Spirit. 
and they are here to help you. I don't know what you're going through this morning, but there is somebody here willing to help you through it. You do not have to go it alone. If you hear nothing else this morning, I pray that you hear that. You do not have to stand alone. Give God praise for that, that you have a family around you that does care. Again, no matter how hard it is right now, there are people that care. Just reach out. Reach out to them. Tell them what you're going through. And see how God provides. The land between is also fertile ground for God's discipline. This is an important, not one we really want to talk about, but it is reality. Verses 18 through 22. So we've solved this problem of you you're not having the help that you need, and, and God says, I've got, got that under, under control. Now, verse 18, this is what I want you to tell the people. Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard you when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat. And you will eat it. And you're going to eat it not just for one day or, or two days or five or ten or twenty. You're going to eat it for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. Because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have walked before him saying, why did we ever Leave Egypt. Let me, I'll just continue through verse 22. But Moses said, Here am I among 600,000 men on foot, and you say I will give you meat to eat for a whole month? Would they have enough if flocks and herds were slaughtered for them? Would they have enough of, if all the fish in the sea were were caught for them? Be careful what you ask for. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. You might actually get it. You know, instead of this manna, that's probably like olive oil pastries. I mean, it's kind of like Italian bread, right? So if you don't want that, you know, I'm going I'm to give you quail burgers. It's actually verse... Uh, I think it's over in verse 31. He talks about the Lord, you know, brought the quail in from the sea. And so they, they had all they wanted to eat for, again, for a whole month. And then they could wail about quail, right? <laughs> you see, it's a heart problem, isn't it? It's a heart problem. It's not about manna. It's not about desert. It's not about their diet. He says right here, why? Why is the discipline coming on them? Because in verse 20, it says, because you have rejected the Lord who is among you. That's it. I have to remember that in my complaining, my grumbling, my moaning, 
It's not about the situation. It's not about the other people, the circumstances. It's about God. Ultimately, I am complaining about Him. You're not good enough, God. You're really not. You're not faithful enough. You're not loving enough. Otherwise, this wouldn't happen to me. Wow, that's a, that's a scary verse. To think you rejected God. You didn't talk about manna and quail. I provided for you for everything to get you out of Egypt and get you are today. And yet, you, you forgot me. You rejected me. God disciplines his children. <laughs> he does. And this, we, we know that. And <laughs> again, we don't like discipline, but if he, he, he loves you. He loves me. He loves us enough to correct us. And he'll do that. Oh, Proverbs 3. A couple of verses here. Proverbs 3, 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. And don't resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Isn't that beautiful? Those he loves, like a son, he delights in you. Therefore, he has to correct you. He has to discipline you. Bring your heart back to where it should be. Another familiar passage is in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, verse 10, says this. Our, father, our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we might share in his holiness. Let's, um, yeah, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Isn't that great? So, it, it, yes, you are in a bad place. Yes, maybe. Um, you're not where you want to be, but God, he's, if you have a, a hard heart, a complaining heart, he is going to discipline you. It's coming. But he, he's doing it because he loves you. He loves you so much. He doesn't want you to stay there. His purposes are always redemptive. His purpose is to always make you more like Jesus, to make you holy, to be like Him. And He'll do whatever it takes to get you to that place. It is not about your happiness, it's about your holiness, it's about you being more like Him. And live into the praise of His glory. And he might have you in that desert place for a little while to get your attention. Not about quail. It's not about manna. It's all about Him. It's all about your heart. Verse 23. The Lord answered uh, Moses. Remember, He's saying, well, there's no way. There's no way I can get enough meat for these people, right? There was 600 Foot soldiers, that means there's over 2 million people, they're estimating. So that's a lot of people. And so there's not enough meat in the, on land or, or in the sea. Uh, impossible. 
So God just wanted to let you know that. Kind of like the disciples with Jesus. Maybe you're feeding the 5,000. We're not going to do it with, right? Loaves and bread here. Ain't going to happen. Um, so verse 23, the Lord answered Moses. Here again. Just, I got this, Moses. Just calm down. And he says, is the Lord's arm too short? I don't think Moses is supposed to answer that question. Not if he's smart, right? He said, you will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. This is one of those, one of those moments. Just, uh, just watch and see, right? I mean, is God's arm really too short? Is, is, he, is he really not able? Is he not competent? Is the world really spinning out of his control? We need to allow God the potter (laughs) to mold us. Allow him to do that. Because see, the alternative is it's not pretty. It's not pretty what he might have to do. Craig Groeschel in his book, um, The Christian Atheist, (laughs) uh, subtitled Believing in God but Living Like He Doesn't Exist. It's a great book. Now it's probably... Ten years ago he wrote that, but uh, I thought it was powerful. He says this, quote, The root of bitterness grows in the soil of hurt, hurt that is not dealt with properly. Love keeps no record of wrongs, but bitterness keeps detailed accounts. According to uh, Ephesians 4, 31, 32, the only way, the only way to eliminate the root of bitterness is is forgiveness. A decision to obey God, not based on whether we feel like forgiving. God, please, give us the strength to battle through anger and bitterness and fight our way back to the cross where Christ forgave us. Unquote. I wish, you know, at Easter we had that, you know, the big cross (laughs) up here on the stage. I wish we had that this morning so you could look at that. There are, there are crosses on the walls. I know everybody can't see that, and you can't you know, see that out in the, uh, in the other room. But maybe, for those of you who can you know, see these, these crosses up on the wall, just um, maybe just take a minute and just look at that. And if you can't see it, just, just imagine a, a cross in your mind. And while you do that, just listen carefully to these words. These words by by the author, Jeff Mannion. He says this, You are defined by what was done for you. Not by what was done to you. Or by you. No matter how damaging or despicable. I always want those words to settle in you for a minute. As you look at that cross, remember that you are defined by what was done for you. You are forgiven. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. You are his forever his. No matter what somebody else has told you, telling you, no matter what you feel about yourself this morning, that is who you are who you are. 
and you focus on that, and the bitterness, and the complaining, and the wailing <laughs> will be left far, far behind you. He goes on to say this is a common proverb, time heals all wounds. And he says, I don't believe it to necessarily be true. Over time, some people heal. Others become deeply embittered and acidic. See, the land between usually forces us one way or the other. The habits of the heart that we foster in that place, our responses, our reactions will determine whether the land between results in spiritual death or spiritual life. The more than likely it's going to take you one way or the other. There's a fork in the road in that desert place. One takes you back to Egypt. One takes you to the promised land. So the land between is fertile ground for God's discipline. And finally, the land between is fertile ground for transformational growth. Again, verse 23, he said uh, you know, to Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I say will come true. Moses, just stand back. Watch. Watch me work. He never saw this one coming. He should have, right, after he experienced the, great, the exodus and all that God had done for all those years in providing and guiding and leading and protecting. But no, he says, okay, here we go again. Watch. Watch me work. Now, this is the place for God's grace to be revealed in magnificent ways in your life. Watch. Watch him work. Now, as one of your pastors, it is, it's my responsibility, <laughs> but it's my privilege uh, to be a shepherd for you. I want to help you. I want to help lead you from here to there. I love you. I love this church. And I just so want you to be healthy and strong, and for us to be healthy and strong, that we can live to the absolute maximum potential that God has designed for us. In the land between, remember, nothing, nothing is wasted. Nothing's wasted. You know, Jesus, again, he desires to redeem all things. So I want to encourage you this morning. Just ask God. Ask God to use this troubling season in your life to forge something that is good, something that is beautiful, resilient, and lasting. Don't look for the escape. Look to be changed. We hate pain. I hate pain. But Lord, take the pain. <laughs> take the dry times. Take the desert times, Lord, and change me. I don't want to just be done with it. I want to come out different. 
different on the other side. And be patient. Be patient with yourself, right? He's not done with you yet. You're not home yet. <laughs> it's a process. It's a journey, right? Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We believe that. He's got a plan. He had one for Moses and the Israelites. He was going to get into the promised land. And whether they believed it or not, with all the, the grumbling and the complaining, the lack of faith, he was still carrying out his providential plan in their lives. And he is in your life and my life. Just to trust him. Trust him. He's not done with you yet, or me yet. Yay. He will carry it to completion. He'll keep working on us until the day that we're home with Jesus. And Psalm 23 says that, um, you know, we might have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't want to go through that valley. <laughs> That's a dark valley. But when we go through that valley, remember, remember that surely goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life. Isn't that beautiful? The valley of death, they come. Those dry places, they come. Those desert places, they're real. But again, you're on a journey. And he's walking with you. You're not home yet. The Spirit shepherds us. But he might not take us on the most direct route, <laughs> the most scenic, or the most familiar. But he always, in the end, he leads us home. Don't ever forget that. He always leads us home through the land between to the promised land. If you're here this morning and you don't have that assurance that your land between will ever end, <laughs> if you don't have that assurance that you will one day be in the promised land, spiritually speaking, that you one day will be... Um, with the Father, <laughs> with the Son, the Spirit, then I, I just encourage you today on this Memorial Day weekend that you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have any questions about that, what that means, how to do that, please talk to me afterwards. Most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life to know Him. Because he knows you, and he loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. Please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you and praise you. I'm reminded of uh, in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray that this morning to hear Anybody here in a dry and weary land that we would pant, we would thirst after you, Lord Jesus. You are the living water 
and only you can satisfy. We look to so many places and people to satisfy the longings of our heart. Lord, I pray that we would come to that place to realize that they can only be met in you. That, that living water, God. Please, have mercy. May we just find you again and bask in your amazing grace and love. And as you bring us out of the, the desert place, may we just come out transformed, new people, eyes fixed on you, giving you all the praise and the glory for which you deserve. Because that's why we're here today. And we thank you and praise you for it all in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Amen.